2 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 8 says, Now therefore so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat and from following the sheep to be a ruler over my people, over Israel. Notice that. Where did God find David? I took you from the sheep coat from following the sheep. And I was with thee wheresoever, whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight. I've made thee a great man like unto, I'm sorry, made thee a great name like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 7 says this, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, for I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance. Man sees what's evident. But the Lord sees what we can't see. But the Lord looketh on the heart. Can I talk to you for a few minutes today on believing my potential. Can you pray this before we're seated? Can you pray, God, help us to see like you see? Will you close your eyes? Just put your Bibles down. Lift your hands. God, I want to see like you see. I want to have... God, give us a miracle of our eyes and a miracle in our minds to see like You see and understand like You understand. Father, I ask You today that You'll talk to us out of Your Word. Let Your holy anointing flow right now. I pray that You will help me to speak exactly what You want spoken, nothing more and nothing less. Oh God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, everybody said amen. amen. And with that, you can be seated. Thank you for standing for such a long period of time. Uh, the, the story that we picked up in kind of in the middle of in 1 Samuel 16 is the very famous story of when David was anointed king over Israel. God spoke to Samuel and said, Samuel, I want you to go down to the house of Jesse, for I have prepared me a king amongst his sons. Now before Samuel knew it, before Jesse knew it, and even before David knew it, God was already on the job preparing David for his destiny. Now you got to get that here. That's, you got to understand that before anybody knew what was going on, God was already ten steps ahead working on David, preparing him for what David's destiny was. And I know some of us, uh, we can sit here, we can think, I don't know uh, what, what God's going to do in my life, what God can do with me. Understand, even where you are, whatever situation you're in, God's ten steps ahead. I wish you'd elbow somebody and tell them, God is preparing you for something. I preached last week uh, for a little bit about the, the potential, the power of a protected seed. And seed is... Potential. Uh, I believe absolutely unequivocally, you cannot talk me out of this, that every individual in the church of the living God has potential and purpose. Every individual. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I have chosen you. 
that you should go forth and bear much fruit. He has a purpose for every person in the church. Every person has potential. Uh, it is, it is, there is no doubt that He chose us with something in mind. Sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our heads around that because we know our flaws better than we think anybody does. Except for y'all perfect folks. All the perfect folks just wave so we'll know where you're sitting and I won't have to preach to you ever. But we know our flaws. We know our shortcomings. We know our hang-ups. We know our little idiosyncrasies. We know our problems. But guess what? So does God. And despite all of that, He still said, I want you to be part of my bride. I want you to be part of my body. Somebody say amen. And so we all, every person under the sound of my voice, I hope I convince you of this before we're done, but I want you to understand that everybody has potential. But I, I do have a few points, and I don't know how, how much will... Uh, I, was, I, was I was at the suit shop the other day. Uh, shout out to Byron's Menswear. Maybe he's watching online. I was not paid. I, I received no monetary remuneration for this advertisement. He said, preacher, what do you do on, I think he said, Wednesday nights? You preach? Or, I said, well, sometimes I preach and sometimes I teach and sometimes I treach. Uh, so I don't know what, what it's going to look like today. But I want you to know that with potential, there come some requirements. Potential. Just elbow somebody and tell them, I have potential. See, I messed you up there. Tell them, I have potential. Uh, my wife, who's not, not here today because uh, Charlotte's sick, pray for Charlotte, uh, she teaches science. And when you're in middle school science, they teach you about different kinds of energy. Uh, they, they teach you about chemical energy, and that's a, that's a battery, you know, you, it's, it's got energy in there, and, and uh, because of the chemicals that are inside, it'll produce electricity, and, they, uh, and, and honestly, I can't remember all that stuff, it's been a long time since seventh grade, but I do recall this term called potential energy, that was, uh, if you have a, a bowling ball up on top of a cliff, or, or we could talk about that rock, that great Acme rock down there between here and Alloy, <laughs> They took that away. That just break y'all's heart. Man, somebody with a lot of cleverness graffitied that thing. When that thing was up on top of that cliff, it had potential energy. It, all it needed was the right number of freeze and thaws, or I don't know, maybe a bird landed on it, and that was just the straw that it needed. But when, when it got right there that potential energy became a very powerful force once it got moving. I believe everybody in this place, you have a potential in God. And if we'll just get moving in the right way, there's a powerful force that can flow through, that God can use you. Uh, I want to talk to you about potential. Potential without faithfulness is worthless. Potential without faithfulness is worthless. I don't care what you have been called for, gifted to, uh, and equipped with. If you're not faithful, God cannot use you. I, I think it's very interesting. You read 1 Samuel 17. Uh, 
It is the story of David and Goliath. Just wave if you've heard the story of David and Goliath. You know that David steps onto the battlefield. He's got that slingshot. He's got faith and he's got the name of the Lord. He knocks that ugly thing down, cuts his head off. You, you're aware of that situation. But I want to back up just a few verses before he steps on the battlefield. It says in verse number 15 of chapter 17, But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. That was after the anointing oil had already dripped down his head and over his shoulders. That was after Samuel had already professed and proclaimed, You are the next king of Israel. He was anointed. He was appointed. And what did he do with that? He went back to be faithful over his father's flock. Isn't that amazing? I'm the king. Tending sheep. I, I don't know what... Can you just take a walk with me for a little bit and think, what was going on in David's head? Man, I'm the king. Get in there. Man, I'm the king. Ah, there comes a lion. There he is. He's the king. He's gifted. He's a man after God's own heart. God chose him for to be. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? He is the king. You know what he's doing? He's being mundanely faithful. Because it doesn't matter how gifted, how much potential we have, if we're not faithful. See, God's going to see what he can trust us with. And if we can't be faithful to come to church, if we can't be faithful to come to prayer meeting, if we can't be faithful in our tithes and our offering, if we can't be faithful in those small things, He said, if you'll be faithful in the small things, then I will make you ruler over many things. I'm going to say it one more time. It doesn't matter how gifted and talented we are. We have got to be faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Potential without faithfulness is worthless. Somebody shout, I'm going to be faithful. Potential, number, this is the second point, potential without action is a waste. Can you imagine David? He is the king. He goes down to the valley of Elah and and, and there's Goliath, and there's the armies of Israel. And, uh, yep, I'm the king. Hope it works out good for you guys. No, I believe there was something on the inside of that guy that said, if nobody else is going to do anything, God's called me. If nobody else is going to do... I'm going to pick up my staff, and I'm going to pick up some rocks... And I may not look like much to the world, but I do know that I can do something because I've got the name of the Lord. We have overcomplicated. Let me preach to you a little bit. We have, we have paralyzed the church of the living God by saying you have to reach the heights of spirituality before you can be of use in the kingdom of God. That is a lie from the pits of hell. We have taught people that if you're not a preacher, you're not doing anything. That is a lie from the pits of hell. We have taught people that it's only the, the, uh, uh, the spiritually affluent that are able to participate in the kingdom of God and everybody else is just supposed to be a consumer. That is a lie. God made you part of His body. Yes, that's right. 
let me let me let me uh, let me talk to you a little bit about the qualifications for an, uh, the entry level qualifications for a for a missionary. Jesus is on the boat with the disciples. Storm comes. He rebukes the storm. They get over on the other side of the sea. It's a, they, they land in Decapolis, I think is what it's called. And here comes this crazed, maniac, demon-possessed man. His hair's all wild. He's, it says that he cut himself with stones. He's all tatted up and pierced. And, and you know, he's, he, he looks a fright. In fact, I'm not even sure the guy's got any clothes on. He, is, he doesn't have any friends because the only people that have been around him have tried to chain him up because he's crazy. Okay? He comes to Jesus and he falls down on his knees and, he, and the demons begin to speak out of him and, and Jesus casts them into the swine and, and you're probably familiar with the story. And, uh, and, and, and they come back and they see the man it says he's clothed and in his right mind. He's totally delivered from, from, the, from the demon possession. And, and he comes to Jesus. They're getting, Jesus made a trip across the sea through a storm to pray for one dude. And the disciples are getting back on the boat. And Jesus is getting back on the boat. And the guy's like, hey, I'm coming with you. And Jesus turns and he says, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. He was demon-possessed five minutes ago. And now Jesus sends him on a mission to be a witness. He didn't go through Bible college first. He didn't make it through search for truth first. He didn't make it through the discipleship series first. He hadn't even been to midweek Bible study one time. And Jesus said, hey, go tell them what God has done for you. We have overcomplicated this thing. We have overcomplicated. If you have a testimony, will you stand to your feet this morning and just to let God know you have done something in my life. I, I feel I've got a divided house. I haven't convinced you yet. All right, let me give you another one. Jesus is going through Jerusalem like he was uh, often did, and and here's this blind guy. See, he's a blind guy, and uh, man's been blind from his youth and or from his birth. And somebody comes to him and says, "Jesus, uh, is this guy who sinned? Was it him or was it his parents that he was born blind?" And Jesus said, "Nah, they, that would sin. What an issue was that? Was that the the works of God could be manifest in his life?" And, Jesus spits on the ground and he makes a little bit of mud there and anoints his eyes. And uh, if you want us to do that for you, I guess we'll have to go outside. But anoints his eyes. He says, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. He goes down there, he washes, and he can see. And 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 the guy's natural, hey, hey, I can see. Well, the guy's been blind his entire life. And so his friends, his neighbors, his family, hey, they want to know what happened to you. Is there anybody in this place that there's been a visible change in your life since Jesus got a hold of you? They said, what happened to you? He said, uh, this guy named Jesus, he spit on the ground and touched my eyes and 
and told me to go wash, and, and now I can see. And, and when he mentioned that name, oh my goodness, everything was in an uproar. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they come and give him the third degree. Now, who was this? What happened to you? Oh, well, was this guy named Jesus? He spit, you know, he did the thing. And, I, and, and he said, uh, well, tell us about this guy. Is he a prophet? The guy's like, man, I don't know. He, I was blind. He couldn't pick Jesus out of a lineup. Jesus spit on his eyes, hey, go wash, and Jesus is gone. He answered and said, whether he's a prophet, I don't know. Whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. You don't have to be, have perfect understanding to be a witness. He knew two things. He knew what he used to be and he knew the name of the one that changed him. And if you know what you used to be and you know the name of the one that changed you, you can point somebody to the one that can change them too. But potential without action is a waste. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost in here this morning. Jesus met him later and the man did get greater understanding but he was a witness before he had perfect understanding. I see tremendous potential in the people of this congregation. There are people here that love God. There are people here that love others. I want you to understand. I see potential in this congregation. Romans chapter 12, verse number 6. We always quote the first two verses. But then he begins to talk about having them gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And he starts listing these gifts that we hardly ever talk about. We talk about the gifts of the Spirit. But he begins to talk about, the Apostle Paul begins to talk about the gifts, I call them motivational gifts. He says, whether, let me, let me just clarify here for just a second. He says in the previous verses that we have been given, in fact, can we put that on the board? Is there somebody up there? We'll just start at verse number one so we're all on the same page. Verse number one, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man, every individual, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Think soberly according as God hath dealt to... See, we're scared of that word. We need to get over that right now. I want you to lift your hands right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus... I bind and cast down every stronghold of the mind that has convinced the people of God that they're not worthy. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I lose faith right now. I lose faith right now to understand that God has called every one of us. God has equipped every one of us. God has given to every one of us. God, put potential on the inside of you. You are wired from birth to serve God. So now, verse number 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given us. And he begins to list these different gifts. He says, prophecy. Uh, he, he, he says, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. 
Verse number 7 in the King James it says ministry. That really just means service. If we are gifted to serve, let us do it. Uh, he that teaches on teaching. On he that, or, or he that exhorteth. That means to encourage. Uh, then do it. Be an encourager. Do it with simplicity. He that ruleth or has an administrative gift. Do it with diligence. If you show mercy, if you're a compassionate person, do it with cheerfulness. I want you to wrap your head around this for just a moment. Some people are gifted to speak. Some people are gifted to serve. Some, some of you folks love to serve others. You enjoy it. I, I, I do as well. I don't mean to like, it's just a few. You guys. I, I enjoy serving others as well. We enjoy serving. Some of us are wired to teach. You're nerds. I can pick some of you out. You, you, enjoy, you enjoy studying things and then, and then explaining things. You're, you're a nerd, but God, why, thank God for nerds. I think we underappreciate nerds. And I kind of appreciate the air conditioning today. Some nerd invented that, you know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for nerds. The candies aren't bad either. So, if you teach, teach. If you're a servant, serve. He that exhorteth, or if you're an encourager, encourage somebody. You know, that's a valid purpose in the kingdom of God. To be an encourager. My Lord. Somebody needs to grab a hold of that right now. Some of you love to shoot somebody a text and say, Hey man, I was thinking about you. Love you. Hope you're having a great day. Some of you love to do that. Some of you love to just come up and shake somebody's hand at church. Say, man, I was thinking about you this week. And give them a hug. And you have a gift to encourage people. You need to use that gift. As the world, I don't want to get hung up on this, but as the world is trying to discourage the church, discourage righteousness, discourage, encourage one another. You, that might be your job. Uh, he that encourages, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. In other words, uh, if you enjoy giving, do it. There's folks in this room right now that don't have to work, but you work so you can give. I thank God for people that want to give. He that showeth mercy or has compassion, do it with cheerfulness. Some of you, uh, in fact, we were talking about it earlier today in the discipleship class, that there are some folks that are so compassionate. If you are a compassionate person, give compassion. Why? Because potential without action is a waste. I want to help you today. Because... All right, and we'll get there. We'll go get there. We love to read, or at least I do, because I'm a nerd. Love to read about David's mighty men. Anybody ever heard of David's? Who has heard of David's mighty men? I, I want to read to you about them a little bit. It's in 2 Samuel 23, if you want to do homework later, those of you that are nerds. He talks about Adino who lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. One guy, one spear, kills 800 men in battle. Eleazar, 
He was one of David's mighty men. It says that, uh, that the men of Israel were gone away and he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand claved to the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory through one man. He was a mighty. Somebody say mighty. After him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herahite. And against the Philistines, the Philistines were gathered together in a troop and there was a piece of ground full of lentils. I don't even like lentils. And it says that the Philistines were there, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. One man. Abishai, the brother of Joab, it says that he lifted up his spear against 300 and slew them. One man. I'm talking about mighty men. It says Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, he was the son of a valiant man who did many acts. He slew two lion-like men. I love this, this section here. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. Oh, we got it. Slew two lion-like men of Moab. And then it says that he went down in the midst of a pit and slew a lion in the time of snow. This is a bad dude. Man, who goes down in a pit just to kill a lion? Hey, knucklehead. He goes down in the pit, kills this lion on a snowy day. He slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. An Egyptian had a spear in his hand. And this dude goes down, uh, Benaniah, he goes down, takes the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and kills him with his own spear. I'm talking about a mighty man. Man, I want to be a mighty man. I get, this is me fired up just talking about this. Where do these guys come from? Does anybody else want to be mighty? I'd be curious about the making of a mighty man. Where did the mighty men of God or the mighty men of David, where did they come from? I can read you the verse that tells us exactly where David found them. It's 1 Samuel 22 and 2. It says this, And everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto David. That's where David's mighty men came from. They were men in debt, men in distress. Men, they were down on their luck. They were defeated. People cast them out. They weren't worth anything. Those were the people that I just read to you about that were mighty men in David's army. I want you to understand today that you have potential and that your potential is not is not abated by your current circumstances. There are mighty men and women here. We just don't see it yet. Because we're like Samuel, who sees the tallest, the strongest, and says, man, that's a king right there. And God said, nah, I tell you what, don't look on the appearance, because that's what we're accustomed to doing. Look on the heart. I got notes that I'm going to skip. I want to end with this. Why don't you stand to your feet and I'll, and I'll, and I'll end. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to end in 30 seconds. The Lord and, and you fine folks have allowed us to be in this church for somewhere near a year and a half. Maybe a little more than that now. And I have tried, I have not been successful, but I have tried to connect on a personal level with everybody in this congregation. Mm -hmm.
every time I do, Brother Tommy, I walk away impressed with people. Because when you find out stuff about people, nobody has an uninteresting life. I think if you just find out enough about folks, you find out everybody's life is interesting. That's how I am. But as I've been able to connect with people in this church, and if I haven't connected with you yet, if we haven't, if we haven't made it to uh, drink coffee on your front porch yet, please, you know, give me another year and a half. But as I've been able to connect with people in this church, I have seen folks that God has handpicked. I have seen folks that have such great potential. And as your pastor today, I want to stand here and say to everybody in this room, I see your potential. I believe in you. That sounds cheesy, maybe. I don't know. But I believe with everything that is in me that God has placed in this church the people that He desires to use to reach this valley. We're not looking for somebody else. Man, if we could get a better preacher. Man, we could... I believe the people that God wants to use to reach this community are in this building right now. I believe in you. So while there are people here that have giftings, and every one of you does, there's also people here that have different histories. There's folks that have grown up in the church, and there's folks that have grown up quite different ways. There are former addicts. There are former drug dealers. There are former honky-tonkers and hell-raisers. There are former band members that played in the bars. We could go on and on through the list. And I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and they said, Preacher, I, and I won't quote this exactly right, and they'll know who I'm talking about, but they said, Preacher, I can talk to those kind of people because I've been there. I can talk to a guy that used to be an atheist because I, or that's an atheist because I've been there. But I can't talk to somebody who's been an addict as well as somebody who has been there. Somebody that... I don't know, we might have ex-hitmen in this building. I don't know. But I do know this, that it doesn't matter what your past has been, God can use you in the future. You have potential. So let me, let me recap a couple of things. Your potential is only useful if you're faithful. And your potential is only useful if you're willing to do what you can where you are. I believe in your potential. Man, I, I, I wish I could express to you how I, I really feel this. But let me just read you one more scripture. Paul said this. It's a faithful saying, worthy of all expectation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause 
I obtained mercy, that in me first Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. Paul said, I was, a ch- I was the chiefest of sinners, but God saved me so that everybody could look at me and say, if God did it for Him, He can do it for me too. And that should be the testimony of everybody in this building. God did it for me, and if God did it for me, He can do it for you too. I stood... Oh, there's folks in this house today that can say to a sinner, I stood where you stood, and God saved me. I've done what you've done, and God saved me. I've been where you've been, and God still loves me. I have been down. I have been out. I have been broke. I have been, I have been where you've been. And God is making me into a mighty man. Here's how the altar calls. Before we have an altar service, I want to say this. I, I want to talk to some folks today and tell you that I don't care who has called you worthless. And I don't care who has told you you're not going to amount to anything. God sees value in you. Not just value enough to save you, but value enough to use you for His glory. Here's how we're going to do it. If you want to be mighty, I don't care if you've been in this church 30 minutes or 30 years. If you want to be used by God in a greater way, I just want you to come to the front of this building. I don't care if you even believe what I've said today. But if you want to be used by God, I want you to come to the front of this building. not a declaration that you that you want to be a missionary or or that you, you want to be a prophet to the nations. It's a declaration that says, God, I, I want you to use me wherever I am right now. I don't know what happened to that blind man whose testimony was. I don't know, man. All I know is once I was blind, now I can see. I don't know what whatever became of him, but I do know God used him in that moment. We used to sing this song, and you don't have to sing it, Brother Anderson. Whatever you have playing is fine. But we used to sing this song, If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I, I wish as a symbol of, of surrender, you'd, you'd raise your hands, palms up, just as a presentation of your hands to God. Can we all do this? God, here I am. Here I am, Lord. If you can use anything, you can use me. 
God believes in you. He wouldn't have called you and chosen you if He didn't. Your pastor believes in you. This ministry team believes in you. God, make me into whatever you want me to be. If I'm an encourager, if I'm a teacher, if I'm a speaker, if I'm a servant, God, whatever you want me to be, I surrender. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Here I am, God.